Hey guys, what's up? So we're trying something a little bit different today. I'm trying to do a podcast and a YouTube at the same time. I don't really know what I'm doing, but that's all right. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. But what I really want to talk today about is um, I kind of, you know, last year I went to Las Vegas like every 90 days about, and that's a that's pretty much like my perfect schedule for going to Las Vegas. Uh, I absolutely love Las Vegas. I considered moving there a while back, but you know, I was married. We were going to have, we're going to have a, we have a kid and we just had one and I'd like to have more, but it seems, um, almost a little, um, wrong to like raise your children in Las Vegas. You know, it's sin city. You have the strip, you have the gambling, you have the prostitution, you have all that crazy stuff. Not to mention, there's if you take two steps off the strip, there's just junkies everywhere. But despite all of that, I I absolutely love Las Vegas. I have tons and tons of great memories there. Not just of gambling. I mean, I have a lot of good memories gambling, obviously. Um, but also just like hanging out with friends, like seeing like meeting up with friends there, stuff from college even like meeting family there. Cause my uh, grandparents on my dad's side, they lived in Yuma, Arizona. And so, and then they kind of like travel all around the country. So um, one of the last times I saw my grandfather alive was actually in Las Vegas. So it's always kind of like meant a lot to me. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I'm really attracted to Las Vegas. I really love Las Vegas and maybe like down the road, I would consider uh, retiring or maybe if I was uh, semi-retired, I could like live out my life there. Um, Cause obviously when you're old, you don't want to shovel snow or anything like that. But so I love Las Vegas and probably I'll just share with you a couple like kind of funny stories from when I, when I was there and, you know, seeing Las Vegas on TV with like the streets being totally empty and the casinos being shut down and everything and like no one on the streets it kind of reminds me of um, the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. And actually the March of 2008, me and some of my friends uh, took our spring break from college and we decided to go to Las Vegas because me and one of my, my buddies from college, like he had been there a bunch of times. He'd been there with his brother. Uh, he liked to gamble. Uh, obviously we both like to party. Um, and so we kind of got like a little group, um, from Lincoln together. And then we had some other friends that lived in, I think, uh, Phoenix at the time. And then they were going to drive up and meet us there. And then we had some other friends in Canada and they were going to be there at the same time. So it was like totally perfect, but we got to Las Vegas and, it was completely dead. There was like nobody there because of the recession. And when you're in college, you don't, especially in Nebraska, if there's a recession uh, in the rest of the country, it doesn't really hit Nebraska like it, like it hits other states. So we're kind of like insulated. But when we got to Las Vegas, I mean, there was like nobody there. It was completely insane. Like out of all the table games, even at Caesars, um, there was probably like one, one or two poker tables open, one roulette table. I mean, it was just, there was nobody there. So, um, it was kind of like sad because it was like, this place is totally dead, but it was also like kind of cool because 
<laughs> we could like get into all the nightclubs. Uh, we could get all, into all the bars um, and nobody, we didn't have to wait in line. So like we got to go to all these like cool bars. I remember the bar or the nightclub that everyone was like obsessed with at the time uh, was wet at Caesar's palace. And um, we got in there. Uh, the other one that was really popular because of, I think it was the real world or road rules, something like that. I'm like really aging myself. Um, they had a season where they lived, I guess, at the Palms and the ghost bar, which is at the the top floor of the Palms was on that show all the time. So we were like, Oh, we should like go see the ghost bar. And not only do we not even have to pay a cover charge, we got up there like straight away. I mean, we just walked up there, they took the elevator up to the top, checked it out. And there was like, I think like 10 people up there. So it was pretty, pretty insane. But, um, the day before Easter was kind of like everyone that we were meeting was there and we decided to go to, um, I don't know, some nightclub at the Venetian. I don't remember what Tau. Yeah. Tau. <laughs> it's all coming back to me. So we just decided to go to Tau and it was me, my roommate, his girlfriend, um, and then some other girls from uh, Phoenix and one of our other buddies from Phoenix. So we all went to Tau together. Um, at the time, I was like a raging alcoholic, so it didn't really matter. I could be drinking all day and all night, and it really wouldn't affect me. Um, and I think it's kind of a sidebar, but the flight, the day of the flight when we went home from Las Vegas back to um, Omaha – I like tallied up and that I had like drank every night for 23 nights in a row. So that's like a pretty serious partying. But so anyway, I'm getting off track here a little bit, but we decided like, let's go to Tau. We can get in. Even if we have to pay a cover, there's three guys and like five girls. So we'll get in, we can pay the cover. Um, the cover really wasn't that bad. It was like 25 bucks. I mean, when you're in college, that seems absurd, but uh, in retrospect, 25 bucks, not that bad for Las Vegas. We got in, um, we were partying. Um, and then two of the people left. So it was me, my roommate, his girlfriend, and then this other girl and the other girl we were with, um, she was like doing fine when we were in the nightclub, but then we decided like to leave. It was like, I think it was pretty late. It was like four or like four thirty. So we got out of the nightclub and it towels at the Venetian. I don't know if you're familiar with the Venetian, but basically the Venetian is, well, I guess kind of all of them are like this, but you see it from the street and it has like a horseshoe drive where you pull in to go uh, to the, to check in or like to go into the casino. And then up on top above like the horseshoe is another horseshoe where there's a walkway. And that brings you right um, directly into like the stores and the nightclub and and then from there, you go down escalators if you want to go to the uh, casino floor. So when we got out of Tau, we went, we went out on this, like, walkway. And that walkway overlooks, like, where all the cars are at and where people are, like, getting dropped off and, like, town cars and Ubers and taxis and stuff. So we got out there, and this chick starts projectile vomiting off of, like, the handrail onto, like, the people and cars below. Um, and then she just, like, totally passes out. But... <laughs> Like, what do you, like, what do we do? So me and my roommate are like, well, what are we going to do with this chick? And we knew her. Um, 
I'm not going to get into too much detail, but we knew her. So we're like, we can't just leave her here. Um, and her friend is already gone. So uh, we're like, well, we'll l- let's just carry her because she's pretty small. We were both we we're both pretty big guys. So we're like, well, let's just carry her down and like get a cab and bite the bullet and pay for a cab. We were staying at the Flamingo. So the Venetians are pretty far away from the uh, Flamingo walking wise, but not a super uh, far cab cab drive. So we're like, well, let's just take her down to the uh, cabs and then um, we'll just take a cab ride home, blah, blah, blah. So we took her down there and no cabbie would let her in because she had to throw up on her. So, and this was stupid, but we're like, well, let's just carry her. We'll just carry her back. We'll just carry her. I would carry her for a while and then my roommate would carry her for a while and then I would carry her for a while. So we're carrying this chick back from the Venetian to the Flamingo. Meanwhile, now it's Easter. So people on the street are like yelling Easter 2008 at us, like taking pictures with us as we're like walking by. And then we kind of get into this like little area where it kind of bottlenecked down and there was like a bunch of cops. So we're like, oh my God, we're going to get like questioned because it looked like we just roofied some chick that we were like, like dragging out of the, like a club. God knows what. And we walked by the cops and they pretty much had the same attitude, like laughing, yelling Easter 2008. So that's like a pretty like fun story there. And then at the same time, one of my other friends was playing roulette, which he didn't really know how to play. And, uh, but he actually like a couple of nights won like two or $3,000 just like beginner's luck. So it was a pretty fun trip. But, um, every time I, Every time I would go to Las Vegas and still I'm, I'm always trying to find like an idea of, you know, if I move to Las Vegas, is there any way that I could like get involved as far as like, is there a business idea? Is there some way I could take advantage of all the people coming in town? And it's pretty difficult because all the casinos, you know, those are like big businesses, obviously. So the casinos like pretty much have everything locked down. It's like really difficult to find an angle um, besides like, I guess you could have a cab company, but I don't know if you, how successful that would be with Uber and everything. Um, so it's just, I've, I've thought about it for like a long time of trying to find some angle. Cause it's like, well, you can't just, a lot of things don't work because of like just the way the city is, you know, it's like, once you're on the strip, you can't even like get a glass of water. I mean, it, it costs like six bucks for a glass of water. Last time me and my wife were there, I was really, really thirsty because I don't drink. And like the waitresses don't really like to come to me because I'm getting pop. And I'm like, well, I'll tip you like $1 to get me a pop. So um, I was like, I can't stand it. Like I'm so thirsty. I have to go up to the bar. So I went up to the bar and – I was getting a water, but my wife was like, will you get me a lemonade? Uh, oh, no, no. I went up to the bar to see it, like how much a water would even be because I, I wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be like $12. So I went up and uh, the bartender – and I was like, can I just get a glass of water? Like how much is that going to be? And the bartender's like, come on. Like give me a break. We're not totally like heartless. It's free. So I was like, oh, sweet. So I – Took that back, chugged it, and then my wife was like, well, can you get me a lemonade? And I was like, yeah, I'd like another water too. So I went back up to the same bartender, and I was like, oh, can I have my water refilled? And then I'd also like a lemonade. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And he brings it back, and he's like, that's $8. 
So <laughs> the water is free, but the lemonade's eight bucks. So they pretty much have it like fully locked down. So I was, there's some other things that I've been like thinking about as far as Las Vegas goes. And I kind of, I kind of had like a good idea today when I was thinking about this, because I wanted to like talk a little bit about Las Vegas because I've just been thinking about it because I want to go and I can't. So my idea, um, and this is the business idea of the week, and this is specifically for Las Vegas. And what it is, is it's a, it would be a tour company. And there's lots of tour companies, obviously, in Las Vegas. You can do like the mob tours where you go around and they talk to you about the different casinos and uh, what mobsters lived there or how the mob was involved um, uh, in building them or how they uh, uh, did money laundering schemes and stuff out of them. So there's those. There's ones that are just like strictly for partying. Uh, There's a lot of those, right? So you might be going there for like a bachelor or bachelorette party and they have already like pre-tailored um, tours where they get you into nightclubs and get you drink specials, stuff like that. But this is kind of a different take and something like this might exist because <laughs> who knows with Las Vegas, I mean, stuff pops up and goes away every day, right? So this is a, a gambling tour and and this is kind of... Th- this is the, I'm going to do like kind of like two twists on it. So I, if I had a company like this and this would be perfect for like, if you wanted to like retire or semi retire, or let's say you like just graduated college and you're like, fuck it. I want to just like have fun, you know, meet people, drink, make money. Cause I think you can make a lot of money doing this, right? Make money, hang out, like have like a hell of a time. I think that this could be good for somebody like that. Or it could be good for like, if you're like, somebody who's just like, I'm just sick and tired of my job and I want to go out and I just like want to party. I want to have fun, you know, whatever. So what it is, is it's a gambling, um, like guided tour through Las Vegas. And I I would kind of start it out with like two things. So the first one is for like beginning gamblers. So when I first went to Las Vegas, um, I like Las Vegas probably because a lot of my family like goes to Las Vegas fairly frequently. My grandparents have been there. I don't know, probably hundreds of times. My aunt and uncle go all the time. My cousins go. So going into it, I knew um, how to do like a lot of the games. Right. So I, I knew how to play poker. I knew how to play 21 or blackjack. Um, I knew about slot machines. You know, I had like a pretty like fair like uh, understanding of like gambling, but I didn't know how to play roulette. I didn't know how to play craps. Um, and then in Las Vegas, obviously, they had a lots of different uh, other games. They're getting a lot of games too that are um, like Pai Gal Poker and like Mahjong that are tapered more to like Asian cultures um, because there's a big uh, influx of uh people immigrating from Asia to California. And then also um, a big population of uh, Asian Americans in Las Vegas. So they have a lot more like Asian games. I've never really played any of those, but um, they look pretty interesting. So the kind of the take with the beginner thing, and even for somebody like me, like Mahjong or Pai Gal Poker is you, when you, when you go to like a casino, when you go to Caesar's palace or Bellagio or whatever, and there's like tons of people on a table, you don't want to be like holding up the game 
and looking like a fool, like trying to like ask the dealer for like information, you know, especially like on a craps table, if somebody's like on a roll, you don't want to be like, now what is like pass, no pass? Like, wh- like what am I doing here? You know, you want to look like a uh, an ass and you don't like want to make a fool of yourself. So like a lot of times what people will do is they'll just be like, they'll just like make a bet and they don't really know what they're doing. And um, a lot of like, especially table games, you're kind of like throwing away your money if you don't know what you're doing, especially like, I would say, especially in craps, um, because if you do, uh, what are they called? Kind of drawing a blank now, but if you do like side bets, like, Oh, like I'm going to bet on a specific number, I'm going to bet on snake eyes or whatever. Those are like literally just throwing money out the window if you don't know how to play. So I think that that on this tour, what I would do, how I would structure it is I would have, um, one tour that would just be for beginners And let's say um, my tour would start, this is hypothetical, right? So my tour, let's say, would start like Monday and like you would stay through, let's say, Thursday. And every like morning or every um, afternoon or late morning, whatever, at like 11 o'clock, everyone would meet at like, let's say, uh, Caesar's Palace. And then I would say like, meet, we're going to start off at like uh, the craps table. And then... um, the tour guide would basically like go through exactly like how to play craps for free. So like no one was playing with live money. And then you go through how to like play the game, play like a bunch of like uh, have everybody in the tour, like play a bunch of like practice hands um, and then like start playing at Caesars and then like go to like different um, uh, a couple different casinos, like throughout that day. And then at each casino, like, you would work out something with the casino because you're bringing people in the door, right? Which is important to them. You'd work something out where it's like, well, they would get so much like free play or they would get like um, double the amount of like credit. If they like have a, like, let's say like an M life club, if you signed up for like a player's club, or maybe they would have, you could give the people on your tour um, uh, different, like kind of drink specials. Um, I know that, Drinks are technically quote unquote free if you're gambling, kind of, but let's, or, or, or you could be like, um, uh, over lunchtime, you get like lunch or food vouchers out that are good at Caesar's palace or good at Bellagio or whatever hotel you're at. So they get, a, they get the uh, experience of learning how to gamble, um, gambling. And then also like some extra like goodies on top too, because you know, you got to throw stuff like that in. Um, so I think that would be really good for like beginners. And then another like fun thing too, is not only are you like bringing them around to like different casinos to like um, play this like table game. Um, they would also, you would also like walk them or like take a bus to like different casinos and you could talk about the different casinos and like what they have to offer and um, show them like the stores and give them some like history and stuff like that too. So it's, it wouldn't just all be gambling. It would be, um, kind of like sightseeing mixed with gambling. So they would like learn some stuff too. So I think that would be like really um, a good idea. So that's for beginning gamblers. And a lot of the other tours that I've seen um, in Las Vegas, like the party ones or whatever, they're from like, they're for like one day, obviously the party one, like if you're doing a bachelor party, what might be for one or two day, two days. Um, And it's a, it's uh, like 89 bucks per person or anywhere between like 89 and, and up per person 
Um, but that's just really for like stuff at night, right? So like 11 to like three in the morning where, where this thing would be more like hands-on, you'd be like teaching them. So kind of be like a gambling school and like the tour. So I think you could charge a little bit more. Let's say you're charging a hundred bucks and like you could get like 25 to 50 people like in your tour, depending on how many you could handle. So I think like one tour guide, um, I think you could handle about like 20 people, but then like when you have people break out for like practice gambling, like you'd have to work something out with whatever casino you're at um, for the dealers to like uh, assist you as far as um, showing people how to play. But I think they would be, the casinos I think would be open to that, especially like maybe a smaller casino um, if they knew that those people were going to like stay and play and spend money. So <clears throat> so if you did um, 25 people at a hundred bucks um, per day, that's 2,500 bucks a day. If you did it for four days, that's um, what is that? 10 grand. So that's pretty good. And if like, if you're a one man operation and you could run this like as one person, that's like really good money, 10 grand per week. I could have a lot of fun in Las Vegas for 10 grand a week. Um, so that's for beginners. And then the other one would be for people who have been to Las Vegas a lot um, or, or at least experience like table game, um, players. And I would, I would revolve this around, um, well, especially for beginners, I would revolve it a, a lot around table games. Cause those are more interactive and you can kind of like, um, like slow down the amount of pain. Right. Cause at like, a if you're at a slot machine, um, or video poker, you can play really fast and lose small amounts of money per hand, but you're playing like fat, like hundreds or thousands of hands. And if you're like me, I go to Las Vegas and I pretty much gamble the entire time I'm there until my eyes are bloodshot and my hair is like totally like standing on, on end. It looks like I put my finger in a light socket cause I'm just so frazzled. And, um, like for me, it's, I love to gamble, but I only like to gamble in Las Vegas. And, um, if I'm not winning, I get like pretty like upset <laughs> so it's, I just like the ride of it. And I don't know why that is. It's actually probably not good for my heart, but that's fine. So the second tour I would do would be for uh, people who are more experienced. And what I would do <clears throat> for this one is it might be like, again, like three or four days or whatever. You could play around with how many days it would be. But I follow um, kind of the, how I got the idea for this is I follow a bunch of Twitter accounts that follow news in Las Vegas. And they also follow, they report on like jackpots and they report on like um, trends. So like if someone is, if people keep hitting jackpots or keep, um, if there is like a lot of like news uh, throughout the city in Vegas about like one casino or like one bank of machines at a casino, like paying out a lot. And it kind of like word gets out. Um, and they also report on, um, different jackpots. So I think that you could do kind of like a, a tour where you take the, the people on your tour to, um, like I would call it hot slots. Um, so that would be for like the slot machine players. Um, because, you do hear a lot about um, one game or like one casino or whatever where like the slots are paying out. And a lot of these Twitter accounts I follow, like people will send in and be like, hey, like this machine's hitting and then other people will go play it. And if they hit it, they'll send it in. So you kind of get like some like, um, I guess I would call it like hive um, intel from people like out on the streets playing. And then there's other things too that you hear a lot about um, 
if you like keep track of this stuff. So there's a poker game at the Palazzo uh, or at the Venetian. And um, it's a, a regular poker game. I don't think, I don't know. I didn't look up exactly like how much like each hand is probably like 40 or 50 or 70 bucks per hand. But on that game, um, along with like your buy-in or, or your bet, you can place a $5 side bet and it's a progressive jackpot. And it starts at, I think, a million dollars. And if you get dealt a um, natural royal flush, you auto- automatically win the progressive. And I think last year it paid out four times. So that's pretty interesting. That's a pretty interesting like progressive um, side bet on a game that you don't see everywhere. So um, on this tour, I would include like everything unique like that. And another unique th- game um, that me and my wife have like done really well on is um, if you go to the Gold Coast um, Hotel and Casino, which is across basically across the street from the Palms, they have a huge bingo room. And every every what is it? Every other hour, I think um, they have like a live bingo which sounds really like cheesy. That kind of sounds like a Vegas vacation, like uh, National Lampoons with Chevy Chase or whatever, where he's playing games like heads or tails or like pick a number. But the thing about um, the thing about bingo is it keeps going until somebody wins. So a lot of times, like me and my wife, we went there. We try to go like the slowest times of the year. So we try to go in between like uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and some other times that are slow. Um, and a couple times we were in there, it was like me and her and like literally 10 other people. So your chances of winning are pretty good. And I actually hit a hit like a progressive bingo because I do all this other side stuff too. And I, I won 20 or no, I won um, like 1500 bucks. So I would like include stuff like that. That is just like fun offbeat. Um, another thing is like if, if if you would know like about like good like poker rooms, stuff like that. So that would help. That would be um, appealing to people like me who are like more experienced and like want like different kind of ex- uh, gambling experience um, from just your run of the mill. And I think for that, because you're like kind of giving away like inside information that you could charge a little bit more. And then you could also along with that, like you could do like hotel deals and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of angles to like work uh, that kind of a tour thing. And I think that like a gambling tour is something that's kind of like uh, I haven't really seen. Again, it might be out there. I have no idea. Um, So obviously that would be right now you would be making no money because the city shut down. Um, In an economic recession, Las Vegas takes a, a, a real big hit. But in like the boom times, I think that you could make like a ton of money doing that and you could uh, raise and lower your price as demand fluctuates. Um, so I think that that could be really good. And it would be like a lot of fun. Like I could see myself if I was semi-retired doing something like that. So um, anyway, I just came up with that idea. I thought that was a pretty like fun idea. You might not might not make you a multimillionaire, but it, it would be a lot of fun doing it. Um, so that's the idea of the week. And then kind of going along with the theme of Las Vegas, um, or or that's the idea of the week going along with a theme. I got a deal of the week that's in Las Vegas. Uh, it's Las Vegas, Clark County. And what it is, is is a cell phone service, activation, sales, repairs, and accessories. 
And I think that like cell phone repair and sales and stuff like that, um, I think that's a really good business because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't tell me in um, the teaser, like what carriers they offer, but I think it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, let's say you're like carrying, and I don't know if you have this everywhere, but like, let's say you're like carrying cricket or um, one of these like secondary carriers. I think that there's like a big demand for that, for people who either don't want to like deal with the Verizons and Sprints of the world, or maybe they're looking to do something cheap or like they're looking to do something like not on contract. And I've known some people in Omaha that um, have had like cell phone repair, activation, sales, businesses that have done really well. And they have, there's a family in Omaha and I think they they have like 12 or 13 locations that do this. And they also sell, um, sell accessories like this business does, which are like really high margin, like phone cases, the margins on a, like a phone case, and you probably know this if you ever bought one on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon for like two bucks. And if you go into um, a brick and mortar place that sells stuff like that, it's like 10 times the price or f- whatever. So I think it's really good. Um, they're asking $2.275 million. Um, This business has a gross revenue of five, a little over five point seven. And the cash flows a little over nine hundred thousand, nine hundred and seven thousand. Um, they have one hundred and twenty-five thousand uh, dollars of inventory. Uh, the business was established in two thousand eight. Um, it's a franchise with five locations in Las Vegas. Um, like I said, mobile phone service, accessories, activation, repair. Um, tons of different accessories are available to sell with, like uh, to sell with that. So. Um, if you want information on this business, um, call, sorry, I got to print it out here. Oh, here's some additional information. Um, so it's, like I said, it's in Las Vegas. Um, they have 20 employees in five locations. Um, they are leasing the five buildings. Um, they'll do a ser- seller carry back for 18 months at 6% interest. So that's pretty decent. Uh, they say they'll stay on for training 21 calendar days. And the reason that they're selling it is because they're moving. Um, so that's just kind of a brief overview. The business is listed by uh, First Choice Business Brokers, and the agent is George Carras. His phone number is 702-290-9120. If you wanted more information and you didn't catch that, you can always shoot me um, a message. Um, or shoot me an email. I'll put my email in the show notes as always. So you can uh, hit me up there. But I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, business. And the other thing I like about like a cell phone business like that is um, you pretty much have to have a cell phone now. Um, And that's going to be something that you're getting, especially in Las Vegas. So Las Vegas has grown. Um, like pretty, it's usually one of the fastest growing cities. Well, um, Cook County at least. And then also, um, the surrounding counties, Henderson. And I don't know if Henderson's in Cook County or not. Um, but Henderson and Las Vegas are always two of the fastest growing cities. And right now, even though the economy, um, isn't like doing really well because of the coronavirus, Um, those areas continue to grow because people like I touched on the last episode are fleeing, um, California because of the taxes and Nevada has no state income tax. 
and the um, the real estate tax in Las Vegas or in Nevada is not bad. Um, so you're you're going to going to be getting an influx of people that's going to be pretty steady for the foreseeable future. And something like a cell phone store is going to be like pretty steady, Eddie, pretty boring. Um, obviously, with five locations, you're going to have to have some management skills. And with 20 employees, you're going to have to have some management skills to make sure the merchandise isn't coming in the front door and going out the back. But despite those reasons, I think it's pretty good. Um, another thing in Las Vegas is if you're in like the building contracting um, field, there's tons of building going on there all the time. Whenever the economy is good, it seems like Las Vegas just explodes. But kind of rambling about Las Vegas. But, okay, so let's get to the three critiques of the week. And these are just three businesses people have asked me about or that I've uh, possibly stumbled on on my own or that are trending online that I keep seeing day in and out, day out that I want to talk about. <clears throat> so the first one I want to talk about, I saw somebody asking – I don't know where it was at, probably Facebook or something. And it was like somebody, oh, oh, I remember. It was a like an entrepreneur uh, Facebook group that I'm in. And this guy was like a kid. He was going to college and he was like, what are what is a good business for me to get into while I'm going to college? And somebody said a laundry service um, for his like classmates. And I've heard of other kids. I, I didn't know anybody in college that did this, and I didn't think about it. If I would have thought about it, I probably would have done it. Um, I had some other things going on in college that I was working on. I didn't think about this. But this is a good one because mommy and daddy are not there to do your laundry for you anymore in college. And a lot of kids don't know how to do their laundry, believe it or not. Um my parents made me do my own laundry. Basically, they said, like, you can take care of your own shit. You're the one getting it dirty. We're buying it for you. So the least you could do is learn how to wash it. So um, so this is a laundry service for a college student, which I think is really good, right? Because if you live in the dorms, like I went to the University of Nebraska, and you had to live in the dorms, I think, the first year. If you lived in the dorms, I lived in, like, brand new nice dorms, and there was laundry, like, right on the floor, so that was like pretty simple. Then I moved into fraternity house and um, we had laundry at the fraternity house. But I think I like took my laundry somewhere else because it was so disgusting in the fraternity house that I went to like a coin laundry place. And then I lived I lived off campus in a house and it was disgusting, but we had laundry in the kitchen. So I did it there. But um, not every, not every place you lived on campus, like had like easily accessible laundry. Some of it had it in the basement. Um, I know like a lot of the shitty rental houses around the university of Nebraska, like didn't have laundry or it didn't work or whatever. So like coin laundry was a pretty big deal. And just like, um, adults like me and you, and probably even more so when you're in college, you're really lazy. And, if mommy and daddy are giving you money to be at college, you're going to blow it on stupid stuff. Like you'd be susceptible to have somebody else come just take your laundry from you, do it and then return it folded. So I think that that's a really good, um, a good, a really good service. And I think, um, not every college kid is going to want to pay for that, but if you, but you have to think about on, on a college campus, that's a huge, amount of people and they're in close proximity. So like, even if you only were getting 
if it was a pretty low percentage, that's still a lot of like clientele, I guess is what I'm saying. And you wouldn't necessarily like have to even take it from the university to like a coin operated laundry spot. You could figure out like where you could just do it on campus. Like what I would do is if people were too lazy to do it and I lived in dorms where there was easily accessible, um, an easily accessible like washing machine and, and dryer, I would just bring it over there and just use all of the washers and dryers at the same time. Or if I had a house close, um, I would maybe like buy extra washers and dryers and just have like a little like washer and dryer farm where I could do it really quickly and efficiently. And I think I would set it up. I think the real good way to do this is like set it up as a, uh, a subscription, like a monthly subscription where you're like, hey, I'll do your laundry for you for like 30 bucks a month or whatever. Because when you're in college, that's like the farthest thing from your mind is getting your laundry done. And I would have it set up where it's like you get unlimited washes for 30 bucks a month, but you have to like contact me to come pick your stuff up or drop it off. So a lot of times people are going to be paying you 30 bucks and they're only going to use your service once or twice. So you're getting like 15 or 10 or five bucks per load. Um, and that's like pretty cheap and 30 bucks. That's just like a, a number I'm throwing out there. That's not what I'm recommending that you would do. You'd have to figure out the market yourself, but I think that's really good. Um, and I think that's really good for like a kid to do because I learned the most in college, not necessarily in class. And this would be like a really good learning experience for any like 18, 19, 20 year old kid to like responsibility to take on because you'd be learning like, you'd be learning how to run your little business. You'd be learning how to market, how to sign people up, um, collecting pay, getting pay up front, which is what I would do, get their credit card. Um, so you'd, this kid, if he wants to do this, would be learning, would be really be learning a ton. So I think that's a really like cool idea. And I think laundry service would be really good. Play off the laziness of the college students. Um, <clears throat> the next one somebody asked me about is a home daycare. And they were basically saying, look, um, me and my husband are stuck at home anyway with the coronavirus um, quarantine. And we have two kids here. Um, there's other kids coming and going like their parents want to go back to work. And now they're talking about maybe like not even having school next year, which boggles my mind. That's totally idiotic. Um, as far as I'm concerned, um, that's just my opinion and I don't want to hear your opinion on it. Um, so an in-home daycare, it sounds a lot simpler than I think it really is. My mom tried this when I was a kid and it was like kind of a debacle because um, my sister was pretty young, but she was old enough to know like her own toys were hers. And then there was these other kids like coming into our house, like playing with her toys. So that created like a problem. Um, the other thing is you, when you're, when you have a kid and you're paying for childcare, you're like, God, this is like so expensive. But when you're own, when you're having kids come into your house and you're like watching them all day and feeding them. You're like, I'm giving away my time to like watch these kids. But some people like that would, some people that would be like the perfect job for them. Some people just love kids. They love to be around kids. They're great with kids. So I think it would be um, good for somebody like that, but I don't think that you should just open a daycare daycare in your house because you're at home all day. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I think that like every state 
and every city has their own set of like requirements for you to own and operate a daycare out of your house. I don't think it's as easy as saying like, as just doing it. I think there's some like hoops you'd have to jump through for sure. And you're taking on a lot of, um, you're taking on a lot of risk having like little kids in your house. Cause who knows what they would get into. So in the scenario, these people are talking about, no, I wouldn't do it. Don't mess with it. I'm taking a drink, drink a tea. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> then the other one, um, somebody asked me about, and it's kind of funny cause I looked at like getting a job doing this in college. Um, but it's a medical, like starting a medical courier business. And I think that that's like a pretty interesting business. So basically like, if you don't know, if you can't figure it out from the name of it, a medical courier, um, curries medical stuff. So usually they, they'll, uh, they transport like x-rays, medical documents, um, specimens, samples from like a different to and from different laboratories or, um, medical offices, but they can also like transport blood and organs. So I think this is like, um, pretty interesting here in Omaha. We have tons of hospitals. I mean, there's a lot of hospitals like per capita, we also have the University of Nebraska Medical Center, which is kind of made famous because they, they brought in the first like COVID-19 patients. They also brought in uh, the doctors that got Ebola uh, in Equatorial uh, or in the Congo uh, two years ago. Um, so they're on TV quite a bit. And that's a huge medical facility. Um, so there's a lot of medical activity that goes on in, in Omaha and, and the surrounding area just like probably any large city. So I think that the the demand would be pretty good. You'd have to make sure that like there wasn't like one gigantic business that took care of all of this. So you'd have to make sure that there would be a need in your area for a medical medical courier. Um, and then when you started it up, you're just basically going to be on call all day long. Um, if somebody needs something transported, you have to be there at the drop of a hat. To start off with, you, you would just need a... Um, uh, general liability insurance, you'd need commercial auto insurance. So commercial auto insurance usually just has like a much bigger like limits. So it would probably be like starting at like a million dollars of coverage for your vehicle. If you were to transport blood or human organs, you would need um, special licensing. And I think you'd have to go through some special training for um, infectious disease control. And then, um, I think things like that have to go through like uh, a chain of custody, um, a pretty intense like chain of custody. So making sure like you're documenting everywhere you go with the stuff just in case something were to happen. But I think that's a pretty uh, interesting business. And I was kind of reading up a little bit of it, a little bit about that online. And it said like a one man operation, if you were just to do it as like a solopreneur kind of thing you can make about between like 70 and a hundred thousand dollars, um, starting off. Um, once you like got your pipeline full, um, this would be great for somebody like who wanted just a driving job, but didn't want to like drive a cab or do like Uber or Lyft. Um, and didn't want to like deliver something heavy. Like, so like, for example, my dad, when my dad retires, he wants just like, uh, he likes to get out of the house and like drive around and be out in, in public, but he doesn't like want to, you know, 
deliver pallets of pop for Pepsi or Coke or anything like that. So this would be great for somebody who is retired or semi-retired um, as long as they can drive and take orders and, you know, uh, be reliable, it would be great. The other thing is you could probably like hire your employees as like 1099 contractors. Um, you have to do um, a little research for as far as like the insurance goes on that. Um, but I think you could probably hire, hire them as contractors. So that's kind of an interesting business. Um, it, it would all come down to like how much competition there would be. So, um, yeah, I think that that could be good. So that's kind of a maybe. So the laundry was definitely a yes. The in-home daycare was definitely a no. Um, and the medical courier is a maybe. So a yes, no, and a maybe. Not bad. Anyway, thanks for stopping by. If you guys want some a business critiqued or some businesses critiqued, uh, shoot me a message. Um, uh, or you can shoot me an email at theideaaddict at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like some business ideas, if you're looking to make a change, start a business, get out of your soul-sucking corporate hellhole that you're in, you can also hit me up and I can um, come do some brainstorming for you. So anyway, peace.